Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. You know, I notice that it doesn't say here in the power of Christ I'll fall. Here in the power of Christ I will mess up. Here in the power of Christ I will blow it. Here in the power of Christ I will lose my faith. Here in the power of Christ I will try to muddle through. No, it says here in the power of Christ I will stand. And listen to me, the only way to stand in the power of Christ no matter what you're going through is to believe the promises and the word of God. Now, when we hear that phrase, in Christ alone, in other words, you don't put your faith in anything else except for Christ. That's what we do here today. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1 this morning. Before we do that, though, I want to mention to you some people within our church who need to experience the power of Christ in their lives, people who are going through difficult moments, people who are sick and suffering, those who have had loved ones who've gone to heaven. And so we want to be praying for Sue Evans and Gail Kupek and Patricia Neighbors, Ron Sloan, uh, praying for Rebecca Pritchard, who fell this past week and, and broke her back. Uh, she was, uh, she's 85 years old and broke her back. We want to pray for her, longtime part of our church. Uh, pray for Jerry Davenport and for Sean Reynolds, who had a kidney and liver transplant this past week. And then also be praying for the family of David Austin, who passed away. That funeral service will be um, uh, this coming week at Living Water Baptist Church. Also, we want to pray for the family of Bonnie Brown. That's Renee Brown, or Renee Breen, right back here. Uh, her mom who passed away this past week. And then also for the family of Gunda Schlerf. And I hope I got that name right. A German lady who also happens to be Harry Korik, a part of our church. Uh, his mother who passed away yesterday. And we certainly want to remember them uh, in our prayers. We believe in the power of prayer here. We believe that. Jesus, uh, in his word, said this, Anything that you ask in my name, I will do. Now, a lot of times people wonder, well, why then sometimes when I pray? Why is it that what I'm praying for, why, why does it not happen? Why does not God give that to me? Well, here's the thing you need to understand. God always answers prayer. Sometimes God answers it in a way that we're not asking for. When we talk about these families who've lost loved ones, I can guarantee you every one of those families were praying for healing. And you say, well, why didn't God answer my prayer? Well, the Bible says precious in the sight of God is the death of his saints. How is that possible? Because God knows what is in store. God's way and God's will is always better than ours. And so we believe in the power of prayer. And so today we want to pray for those we mentioned. And I want to pray for you. Because I think there are probably some people gathered in this room here today that are going through moments where your heart is heavy. Maybe there's a situation that you're walking through today, navigating today, and, and man, it hurts. And it's like a storm that you're kind of coming through and you're, man, it's just like this thing's overwhelming. And I may not know what that storm is. The person next to you may not know what that storm is. But listen, God does. Not only does God know, God cares. And that's one of the great, great things that we have to trust in God. And so right now, if you're just going through a moment and you just, you just need prayer, I just want you to, you know, I'm not asking you to tell me what it is. Just raise your hand right now. Going through a storm, I need prayer. Man, there's hands everywhere. Look around you people, if you would. Just look around. Do you see how in life so many of us are going through moments where we need help? Today we're going to talk about, in a moment when we get into God's Word, we're going to talk about how we can count on God in those moments. But right now, before we do that, let's just take a moment and do exactly what Jesus told us to do. Anything that you ask in my name, Jesus said. So let's go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we're so overwhelmed and so grateful for all that you've done for us. Lord, we've already talked about it this morning. Lord, we don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your grace. We also don't deserve your power in our lives. We don't deserve the healing that comes through your hand. We don't deserve the, the things that you do in our lives that that we so desperately need. But God, we are grateful today. And God, even the truth, that we know that your ways are, are higher than ours, your, your plan, your will is, is certainly greater than anything that we can come up. And sometimes, God, we recognize that you do things in a way that is different than what we've expected or asked. God, we, we trust you and we trust your hand, we trust your heart. And so today I pray for those we've mentioned, a lot of people hurting, a lot of people in the hospital, people sick, people going through moments and difficulties. God, I pray right now, put your hand upon them 
and do for them what they need. Lord, that you would bring healing and restoration and hope. God, for those who've had loved ones who've entered into heaven this past week, I I pray for those families. Encourage them, Lord. Give them peace that goes beyond anything they could possibly understand. And God, for those who raised their hands a moment ago, Lord, lots of needs. have no idea what they all are. But God, I know that even though scores of hands were up in this room, I know that you know every single situation, every detail about those situations, that you know everything that is going on, every challenge, every heartache, every heartbreak, every tear rolling down a cheek, God, you know and you care, and we thank you for that, and I pray that you would meet the needs of those who raised their hands. God, that you would allow them to know you're with them every step, that whatever it is that they're navigating through right now, God, that you would be, as your word promises, that you would be that light to their feet, that you would guide them in the steps that they're to take, that you would give them wisdom, direction, give them discernment. Lord, where marriages are hurting, God, that you would bring healing. God, where families are, are broken, Lord, that you would mend them, bring them back together. God, where loved ones have walked away, God, I pray that you would restore fellowship. God, where physical needs, financial needs, Lord, are there, I pray that you would provide, Lord, in ways that we can't even imagine, that Ephesians 3.20 would be something that, that we see over and over and over again, that you're able to do exceedingly more, exceedingly abundant than we could ever ask or think. And God, we give you the praise in advance. We thank you. We trust you, and we thank you for all that you're going to do. Now, as we open your word, I pray that you would, Lord, as you desire and as you've promised to do, I pray that your words today would change our hearts. And if there's someone here today that has never come to that moment where they've accepted you as Lord and Savior, I pray that through your word today, you would speak to their hearts and that this would be the day of salvation for that person. Help them in, Lord, this next few moments together, Lord, that you would bring them to the place where a decision will be made. Lord, for all of the rest of the people gathered in this room, God, I pray that you would use your word today to illuminate truths that we need, Lord, and able to be able to make it day by day, step by step. God, you would give us understanding and wisdom and Uh, Lord, that you would uh, allow our minds to be filled and our hearts to be filled with what you want us to hear today. God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory in all that you're going to do. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we started a new series entitled Words Matter. Today we've been singing in worship words that talk about in Christ alone, words that talk about how that, that mercy triumphed on a debtor's tree talking about the hope that we find in Christ and in Christ alone. And we recognize, truly we understand, that all of those things that we've said, all of those words and ideas that have been conveyed through, through worship this morning have all kind of centered around one very important understanding that we must all have, and that is this. The words of God matter. Words matter that we must recognize that we stand on truths not because they make you into a cool song, not because somebody wrote a, a neat melody that's something that just kind of rings in our ears that we can remember as we go through the day, not because it sounds like a, a, you know, a catchy tune that we can kind of wrap our brains around. No, we stand on these truths not because they're in a song. We stand on these truths because God said them, because God uttered those words through the Bible that we hold in our hands, through the words of Jesus when he was on this earth, that God literally said these things. And so there we stand. And so words do matter. And today out of Mark chapter 1, in the very beginning of, the genesis really, of Jesus' earthly ministry, we begin to get a picture here, a glimpse that we find in Mark chapter 1, of why it is so important that we grab a hold of the words of Jesus that we understand why these words really do matter so that we can kind of get a picture of in our own mind because, listen, let's be honest, we don't have the the opportunity, we don't have the gift, we don't have the the ability, the privilege, really, that those 2,000 years ago had. Today, we sit here with technology that blows our minds. We're able to do things we've never been able to do before. 
We're able to, to hold a phone in our hand that is more powerful than, than the computers that sent man to the moon. Uh, we're, we're able to do things in technology today that, that just are mind-boggling because of what we have. There are cars out on the road today that are driving themselves. I was driving the other day uh, in Florida. We, our family was in Florida. Went down there for a few days over spring break. And as we were in Florida, there was this car that was coming down the other side of the road uh, to us, and it had these little things up on the roof. And I thought at first it was one of those, those Google vehicles, you know, that drive around, take pictures of all of our houses and, and invade our privacy. You know what I'm talking about, right? I thought it was one of those, but it was not actually one of those. What it was, it was a, a test vehicle for a self-driving vehicle. And as that car came by, it was really cool. There were two guys in the front seat of that car. But they were not actually sitting there holding on to the steering wheel at all. The car was driving itself, and the guy in the driver's seat had a clipboard and a pen, and he was taking notes as the car was driving down the road. Now, the only difference between that guy and us, to be honest with you, is most of us drive down the road oftentimes without our hands on the wheel and without paying attention to what's going on. But we're not taking notes for scientific. We're like texting, right? And we're, we're reading, you know, emails and we're on Twitter and Facebook yelling at somebody because they're being so unthoughtful while we're driving down the road without paying attention. But that's another, that's another sermon we'll keep for another day, okay? But the car was just driving down. I mean, the technology blows our minds. And we think, man, we live in the greatest time ever. And I would say to you today, and I would hope you would agree with me on this, we do not live in the greatest time ever. As great as this time is... As awesome as 2019 is with all the stuff that we have the opportunity of seeing that we can't even understand and can't even like wrap our brains around, it is not the greatest time that man has ever had the opportunity of living on the face of the earth. I believe the greatest moment that man has ever had living on the face of the earth is for those people, those wonderfully privileged people who had the opportunity of hearing Jesus speak face to face. And today that's what we're going to talk about of understanding why words matter. Go to Mark chapter 1. And I want to read in Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 21. And before I jump into this passage, I want to remind you, some of you already know this, some of you maybe not. But I want to remind you that as we are walking through, uh, leading up to Easter, uh, the sermons that we're going to be walking through on Sunday mornings, the passages that we're going to be digging into, our life groups across the entire church are doing the exact same thing. And we actually have... Uh, videos and, and, and further information and further context that, that we're digging into as it relates to what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. And if you're not in a life group, there's never been a better time. And today you can go out to the Connect Center. You can say, listen, give me in a life group. This past week, uh, our life groups actually walked through and spent time in the passage that we were in last week and went deeper to help their understanding. And this week, doing the same thing, you need to be a part of that. And so you can go out and connect there. You can go on our app. You can go online. And there's videos and there's, uh, there's more readings and, and more study materials that have to do with what we're talking about on Sunday morning. Listen, Colossians 2 tells us to dig deep out into God's Word. Dig down deep into who God wants us to be. And then it says this, and then we will spring forth. We will grow in our faith. And that's what we're trying to do. So make sure you do that. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. It says, then they went into Capernaum. Now, I want to pause right there, because again, sometimes we read this and we're like, first thing, well, who's they? So let me just make sure you understand. This is talking about Jesus and the recently called disciples. If you go back a few verses in Mark chapter 1, you read where Jesus called uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John. This is kind of a brand new, you know, ragtag group of guys that are getting together, following after Jesus. His earthly ministry is like brand new. He had just gotten baptized. I mean, this, is, this was new, Okay. Say it with me. This is new. So when we're talking about those in the city of Capernaum, that's right there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, all of a sudden, this guy shows up that they didn't really know much about. And so it says, when they, when Jesus and those newly called disciples showed up in Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he, Jesus, entered into the synagogue and he taught. Man, I would love to have been there, wouldn't you? Have you ever had like a situation where like somebody was coming to speak for something and man, you just wanted, you wanted to go and hear them speak. I mean, you wanted to be there. Jim Cimbala, for me, whenever Jim Cimbala is anywhere that I have the opportunity of going to hear him speak, I want to hear him speak because he just, it really encourages me and he's a great, great preacher. I love hearing him. People have traveled all over the world. Millions of people flocked to go hear Billy Graham speak when, whenever Billy Graham had the opportunity of preaching. 
some of you ladies, when Beth Moore shows up, oh boy, do you show up. I mean, you want to hear what Beth Moore, I mean, you know, they, they wanted to hear this person come. Now, here is a totally different story because here's a guy they didn't really know anything about. And so when Jesus showed up in Capernaum, he immediately went to the synagogue. I've been in that synagogue. I was actually in that actual synagogue uh, just uh, three months ago, two months ago. I was in that very space, that very spot. Man, it was so meaningful. In fact, this week in the life groups we just talked about, the video that you will watch in your life groups was actually shot in this synagogue that we're talking about right here. So Jesus went in and he taught. And listen to what it says in verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, let us alone. The spirit cried out, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Listen to verse 27. Then they were all amazed uh, so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately it says, uh, his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now, let me just give you a quick context before we jump in here for a few minutes into this passage and kind of walk away with something I hope that will be meaningful to us. So Jesus is brand new on the scene. He had just gotten baptized by John the Baptist. He had just begun his ministry. He's walking on the shores of Galilee right next to Capernaum. He sees Peter and, and Andrew and James and John, and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know the story. They immediately dropped their nets and they ran after him, right? And so now this, this brand new group of people, who are on mission. I mean, they are like on ministry. They want to go do something. You know, they're, they're, these guys are following after Jesus. Now, they're new. They have not yet seen all the things that we read about in the scriptures that Jesus did. They had not yet seen Jesus raise the dead. They had not yet seen Jesus heal the sick. They had not yet seen or heard all of the things that we read about in the gospel, but yet they were following after Jesus because they believed. And so Jesus leads them into Capernaum, the city where Peter was from, right there by the shores of Galilee. They went into the synagogue, and when he walked into the synagogue, Jesus began to teach the people that were gathered there for their regular gathering to hear the word of God. And when Jesus began speaking, just bear with me here. They came together every week to hear the word of God. But when Jesus showed up in the synagogue and he taught, it says they were shocked. They were amazed because they heard things they had never heard before as Jesus was speaking. And then one of them who had gathered there, who had been showing up apparently, one of them, it says, was in their midst who had an unclean spirit. He was like possessed, right? And so when that man was there and the, the, the spirit, that, that possession that was inside of him, it spoke out and it said, listen, why are you here? Why are you coming to attack me? Why are you coming up? Listen, we know who you are. And Jesus said, just shut up. <laughs> he probably didn't say, he's probably like not, not nicer than that. Yeah. Be quiet, oh spirit. <laughs> I mean, Jesus didn't say shut up. I mean, let's be honest, right? Okay. So be quiet, little spirit, and come out of that man. And instantly the man is healed. And again, it says, and they were shocked. They were shocked because of what they heard. And they were shocked because this unclean spirit had come out of the man, and instantly the man was healed. And then it says they talked talked amongst themselves, right? So they turned their backs, and they're kind of like, what in the world is going on? Who is that dude? I mean, seriously, he talks like ways we've never heard before. He speaks with authority. Even Even the demons obey And then what it says in verse 28, and immediately his fame spread throughout the entire region because this man was different. Okay, so that's setting the stage for what we're talking about here today. And the stage is just simply this. When Jesus shows up, it's a completely different story than anything you've ever heard before. When Jesus shows up, it changes everything. And so in this passage, we get this picture of why words matter. I've been actually entitled this sermon, Isn't It Amazing? And I was actually sitting there, John Dagg and I were talking yesterday uh, about like the title for the sermon, because you you have to have a title for a sermon, right? So I was, and I was actually told, I'm not really sure yet uh, what title, I'm not sure, I'm thinking that through and praying that through, I'm not quite sure yet 
But then it just hit me. The, the only thing I could ask, isn't it amazing? And let me ask you a question. Isn't it amazing what Jesus has done? That was a question. Isn't it amazing what Jesus has done? Okay, in case you're not quite sure, let me just refresh your memory. Okay, so you, according to God's word, were once dead in your sin with no hope, heading for hell, eternity in hell, a place, by the way, that is eternal torment, according to God's word, eternal torment, eternal pain, fire, weeping, gnashing of teeth, all that stuff. Listen to me. That's where we were headed. And the Bible says you were headed that way. You were once dead. But there's a statement. Here's a statement. But God, but God changed everything because he loved you so much. He didn't want you to spend eternity in hell. And so what he did is he allowed his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins, and mercy triumphed on a debtor's tree. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe, right? Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it as white as snow. Let me ask you again, isn't it amazing what Jesus has done? There is no way for us to understand, to grab a hold of, to comprehend exactly how awesome it is. Words matter. And so in this passage today, I want us to really kind of grab, because I'll be honest with you, I've read this passage a million times. I, I've read it over and over and over again. I've even taught from this passage before. But it wasn't until two months ago when I was standing in this synagogue and I read this passage in that synagogue that it really hit me that the people were astonished at what they heard because it was unlike anything they'd ever heard before and they had been listening to the word of God their entire lives. And I think there are people here today in this room and I think there are people all across the face of the earth that have been hearing the word of God their entire lives and have still not gotten to the place where they are astonished and amazed because Jesus changes everything. The Word of God. The Word of God amazed them. Go back to this passage, verse 22. And they were astonished at His teaching. For as He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Listen to the way the New Living Translation puts it. The people were amazed at Jesus' teaching, for He taught them with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. I love the way that the New Living Translation says it there. They were amazed, astonished at His teaching, because he taught them with real authority. Like they could see it. It was palpable. They could, they could see something's different here. They weren't hearing some dead sermon from some dead theologian or dead preacher who's standing up and, and just through rote memorization or through, you know, spending time and just kind of hitting them over the head with, with, you know, these statements that come from the Old Testament and things that they had to do and, and the, the lack of hope and the lack of peace and the lack of joy and the lack of mercy and the lack of grace. No, that, that's what they'd been hearing their whole lives. We've talked about it here before, all the things that they had to do in the Old Testament to even have a shot at getting close to God. But, but now, no, it's different now because what they were hearing was someone with real authority. And why was it someone with real authority? Because for the first time in their lives, they were hearing the Word of God from the Son of God. And I think some of us in this room today, a lot of people in our world today, need to get back to hearing the Word of God from the Son of God, not from just some guy. Because I think even sometimes people listen to me preach, and they hear the Word of God. I try to make sure everything I talk about is not my idea or my thoughts or, you know, something I came up with. I try to stay on task, on mission, on, I mean, straight as an arrow. I try to preach the Word of God. But I'm telling you, that if all you are doing to hear the Word of God is listening to me, you are not hearing just the Word of God. You're hearing the Word of God from just some old guy. And I actually did put in the word old because I'm getting old. You're just hearing the Word of God from some old guy. There is a difference when you hear the Word of God from the Son of God. There's a difference when you hear the Word of God from the one who uttered and breathed those words. There is a massive difference. And so when Jesus walked into that synagogue and he taught them as one having real authority. And the New Living Translation goes on to say this. 
quite unlike what they had been hearing before. Like those preachers they've been listening to? Yeah, Jesus was nothing like them. And i got to be honest with you. In 2019, I can tell you, Jesus is nothing like the preachers of today. Hey, let me tell you something else. Jesus is nothing like me. Because I'm just a sinner just like you are. I blow it just like you do. I mess up just like everybody in this room. I'm just a human being who's navigating life and walking through life trying to do the best I can of getting closer to God day by day. And listen, I blow it. So if all that you are doing in your faith walk is listening to me, then let me tell you what you're doing. Write this down. This is in your notes. It's not in your notes. I want you to be in your notes if you're taking notes. You are, here it is, blowing it. Because when you hear the Word of God from the Son of God, it changes everything. So when Jesus walked into that synagogue that day, man, it blew their minds because the Word of God amazes. It was radically different. Because for the first time in their lives, think of this, the first time in their lives, they were hearing words that actually had hope. They were hearing words that were infused with, with joy. For the first time in their lives, in seeking out, and they listen, they saw it. I'm telling you, the Old Testament believers, the Old Testament, you know, the Jews, I'm telling you, they were, they were digging, man. They wanted to hear from God. They wanted to experience God. And they went through so much to do it. For the first time in their lives, they were hearing a message that was infused with truth and with joy and with life and with peace. Oh, and wait for it, and mercy and grace. They'd never heard that before. Never heard it before. Before, it was like kill a bull. Before that, it was like break a pigeon's neck. Before that, it was like, man, you know, slip the throat of this cow and slip the throat of this sheep and slip the throat of this. And it, it's just, that's all they'd heard before. In other words, here's the message they heard before. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You, you can't do it on your own. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And now they're hearing a message from Jesus that's totally different, a message of mercy and grace and peace and love and joy. And it amazed them. Here's a question I just want to pose to you today. When's the last time you were amazed by the words of God? No, no, listen, hold it. I don't mean like you read it and thought, oh, that's neat. I don't mean like you heard a song and it was like, oh, man, I feel good. That, that really pumps me up. That encourages me today. I mean this. When you are reading God's word and your mind is blown because of what you've just read, because you've heard the word of God, from the Son of God. When's the last time you were amazed by the words of God? You see, the Word of God amazed. But the Word of God just didn't amaze. It did amaze. It was pretty amazing. In fact, you go to verse 27, it tells us again. Verse 27, it says this, and they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? Who is this guy? This doesn't make sense. What, what in the world's going on? This does not make sense, it says. It's a new doctrine, and, and he speaks with authority, and even the demons obey him. This doesn't make sense. The Word of God amazed, but it didn't stop there, because the Word of God also changes. And I don't mean changes in that what we read today is going to change and what we read tomorrow. What I mean is this. When you read the Word of God, it changes you. Hebrews 4.12, I've heard it said it a thousand times. Sometimes, you know, I actually had somebody say to me one time, you know, when you're preaching, like, there's, there's some phrases that, like, you say, like, over and over and over again. Like, almost like in every sermon, I hear this. I mean, do you do that on purpose, or is it just because that's, like, what you go back to, or what's, like, for, why? Here's why I say it over and over and over and over again, because it's true. I keep telling you the gospel because it's true. I keep telling you what Hebrews 4.12 says because it's true. The Word of God is living, and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It will cut you right into the Word of God will always change the hearer of God's Word. Always. Even when you don't want it to. The Word of God changes you. And so we read in this passage here, when Jesus showed up, the new guy in town, walking into the synagogue, somebody they'd never heard of before, didn't know anything about before, and all of a sudden what he said changed their church forever. Why? Well, we read it. Read it. Verse 23. There was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. He cried out, Lord, let us alone. Like, leave us alone, God. We, we don't want you here. What have we to do with you? In other words, we haven't hurt you. 
We're not bothering you. We're just bothering this dude. This, this guy's not even a good guy. I mean, you don't even like this guy. I mean, nobody likes this. This guy is like, he's a jerk. He's the guy that no one wants to hang around. He's the guy who lives by himself at the end of the street that the kids are afraid to walk in front of his house at night. I mean, he's the one that everybody talks about. Leave us alone. We have nothing to do with you. It's just this dude. We know who you are. Stop for a moment. Think about this. The demons that possessed this man actually uttered the words, we know who you are. You're the holy son of God. You know what that tells us? It tells us this. Even the demons of hell recognize the authority of Jesus. Even the demons of hell recognize the power that is found in the hand of the Son of God. Leave us alone, they said. And then Jesus said, just be quiet. Just just get over it. Come out of that guy. And all of a sudden, that man was healed. Let me just tell you something. You want to talk about how the Word of God changes? Let me say, the Word of God changed that man that day. When you had spent your life, and we don't, we're not told how long he had been uh, possessed. We're, we're not told how long that, that that unclean spirit, that demon had been with him. But I can guarantee you, even if that unclean spirit had been with him for just like a week, that guy had, had a rough week. Would you agree with me on that? Like if, if, if the, the demon had been in him like for, you know, two days and a half, like that was a really bad two and a half days. I mean, that was like not the day, you know, days he's going to write home in his diary like, man, this was just awesome. That's not what this guy's doing. I mean, these, these days stunk, whatever it was, whether it had been his whole life or whether it had been a short period of time. I mean, it was the worst moment in this man's life, and it changed that man forever. When that demon came out of him and he was healed, I can just tell you, that man was jumping for joy. He was excited. He was passionate because the Word of God has changed me. Has the Word of God changed you? Has the Word of God changed you where, where you are? Because listen, none of us, I hope, I hope none of us in this room are possessed by a demon. I hope that's true. And, and if you are, don't come see me after the service, okay? Go, go see somebody else. Uh, there, there's lots of people in the room you can go talk to. I can introduce you to some of our pastors. They'd love to talk with you. They really would. In fact, I encourage you to take them to lunch. If, if, if you're demon, not me, I'm busy. Um, I hope no one in the room here is possessed. But let me just tell you something. Everybody in this room, though, though, has experienced pain and suffering and sorrow and heartache and heartbreak and tough situations and a life of denying the power of God. Every single one of us have gone through that. Every one of us have gone through that. But the Word of God, when it is heard and when it is believed, it changes everything. So the Word of God amazes, no question, shocked them. The Word of God changes, absolutely, no question. This man was changed radically forever because of what Jesus said. Proves to us once again that nothing's too difficult for him. Think about it. Everybody in that room was watching, knowing that man was possessed by a demon. And here's what they walked out of that room with. Yeah, they were amazed. Yeah, they were astonished. But here's what they walked out of. Is that even the demons of hell for whom we have no power over... Even the demons of hell had to obey and listen to that guy. I'm going to say something. That will change what you think about that guy. So in your life and whatever you're going through and the pain, the problems, the sorrow, the, the suffering, all the things that we deal with every single day, those inner demons that we face and fight, everything is subject to the power and the authority of Jesus. The Word of God amazes. The Word of God changes. But, but listen to me. The Word of God always travels. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look back in verse 28. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Let me read that again. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region of Galilee. Now listen, I want everyone to look at me. Do we all agree that Twitter did not exist in, in this day and age 2,000 years ago? Do you agree with me on that? Everybody agree with that? Do you agree with me that Jesus did not have any Facebook friends 2,000 years ago? Do you agree with me that CNN was not there covering this event outside the synagogue 2,000 years ago? Right? Listen, 
There was no media, there was no airwaves, there was no television, there was no radio, there were no telephones, there were no carrier pigeons. Well, there might have been carrier pigeons, I don't know. But there was nothing like that back then, nothing. But think about what it says. And immediately his fame traveled throughout all the region of Galilee. Why? Because when the Word of God changes you, you can't help but tell everybody everywhere about what Jesus has done. How about us? Because I pray everybody in this room has been changed by the power and the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. But here's what I think happens. Because we have seen it and we've heard about it and we've read about it and we've heard preachers preach about it and we've you know, read books about it and we've seen videos about it and we've heard testimonies about it. We learned about it in Sunday school from our, you know, from our, our teachers and we, you know, we were told about it in our youth groups and, and we heard about it on the winter retreat and, and we heard about it an episode and we, and we heard about it when we went to college and, and maybe we heard about it when we got in a life group and we've heard about it and we've heard about it and we've heard about it and the problem is we've heard about it so much we've stopped talking about it. We've been so overwhelmed by what Jesus has done for us and so amazed by what Jesus has done to us and all of the things that we have been changed forever and healed forever because of Jesus. But we've stopped talking about it. Back in this day when they didn't have the things that we have, the technology we talked about a little while ago, they didn't have any of that stuff. And it says this, and immediately his fame spread throughout all the region of Galilee. Why? Because they couldn't help themselves. They wanted everybody to know about this Jesus. They wanted everybody to know about this Jesus. Let me say that one more time. They wanted everybody to know about this Jesus. What an indictment on us. What a statement about who we are today. I got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think that all of us in this room, I don't think we walk out of here because we've heard from God and we've heard the word of God. I don't think we walk out of here and I don't think other churches in our community, great, wonderful, godly churches, I don't think that people walk out of those churches and they are just so overwhelmed by what they've heard that they can't even think about anything else but to tell people about what they've heard. I don't think we do that. I, I don't think we do that. I mean, some do. I understand that. But, but as, a, as a group, like as a whole, as all of us, do we really walk out of here with that kind of passion? Like, man, I can't help it. I want people to know about Jesus. So why is it that today, 2,000 years later, when we have every resource and every tool at our disposal to literally let the world know about Jesus, when Jesus said, go into all the world, think about this. When Jesus uttered those words, those people back then had no way to actually do it. Those people couldn't go into all the world because they couldn't get on an airplane. Those people couldn't go and tell the entire world about the gospel because they didn't have a phone in their pocket that they could go into an app and all of a sudden send it out there where it could go viral and everybody in the world could see it. They didn't have any of that stuff. So then why is it today when we do, we do less telling than they did 2,000 years ago. And here's why I believe it's true. I believe our problem today is that we've stopped being amazed at hearing the word of God because we've become so distracted by seeing and hearing the words of the world. I think because we do have all of the things of this culture and the things of this world and the technology to be able to watch anything everywhere at any time, at any moment with simply a click, I believe we've stopped being amazed at the word of God because we're distracted by the words of the world. And any time that you are more focused on the things of this world than you are focused on the word of God, it will always lead to distraction, it will always lead to discouragement, and it will always lead ultimately to destruction. And I think today that's what we're seeing. So what's the fix? Just quickly, here's the fix. Here, here's what we do. Words matter. It's amazing. Here's what we do. How do we recapture the wonder and amazement of the Word of God? First thing is just simply this. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. And that just means this. Read it. I don't stand up here, I promise you. I, I don't stand up here and tell you to read God's Word because it's in the pastor handbook. Okay? 
I didn't get a job description that said, okay, every week remind them to read the Word of God. I didn't get that. When I went to seminary, I didn't have a professor that said, okay, now listen, guys, you will not be successful unless you tell your church to read the Word of God every... I didn't get any of that, okay? I tell you to read the Word of God because I know what reading the Word of God will do for you. It is living, and it is powerful, and it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It will change you. It will slice you. It will slice and dice you. It's the Ginsu knife of 2,000 years ago that will change everything about you. And if you're under 20, you have no idea what a Ginsu knife is, but everybody older than that, you know. It will change you. So number one, immerse yourself in the Word of God. Read it. Second thing, trust the Word of God. That's just simply this. Believe it. Don't sit back and say, well, you know, I don't really know if this is true. If it is in this book, I am telling you, if it is in this book, it is the Word of God, and it is trustworthy, and you can believe it because it is inerrant, it is infallible, it's inspired, it's breathed out Word of God, and I promise you, if it's here and you read it, it's true. So read the Word of God, believe the Word of God, and the last one is this. Make sure that you are doing everything that you possibly can to tell others about the Word of God. Because if, listen, if it really is life-changing and life-giving, if it really does change you every time that you've read it, if it really is true that you can believe every word that is found in the pages, if that is true, then why in the world do we not want to tell everybody that? truth. Why is it that we don't want to tell everybody about that? Read it. Believe it. Tell it. And here's what ends up happening. Verse 28. And the fame of Jesus will immediately spread throughout all the region of Lynchburg. That is not in the Bible, but it actually is. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, make disciples of all the nations. He said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? Because any time that you are telling others about the word of God, it will change wherever you're telling it. So here's what we've got to do. Here's what we've got to recognize. The people in that synagogue, they were blown away. They were amazed, shocked, couldn't believe it. So they went out and they just told and they told and they told and they told. And here's what happens is when we get to the place where we are less focused on the things of this world and more focused on the things of God, we will see God moving in our midst to the point where once again we will be astonished and amazed at the power of God. Now listen, last week I shared this with you and I want you today, when you walk out in a few moments, every door, and guys, if you're back there and they're not at that door, you got about a minute and a half to get them at that door. We have these cards. I asked you last week, who's the one? Who's the one person? Here's the cool thing. I'm not asking you to go out and tell everybody in Lynchburg this week about Jesus. I'm not asking you to do that. If you can do that, awesome, go do it. I'm asking you to think about one person. I ask you to pray for one. Who is the one person in your life that God has just laid on your heart that needs to know Jesus? So when you leave today, I'm asking you to take this card, and I'm asking you to stick this in this little bookmark, stick it in your Bible. And if you use your Bible on your phone or your iPhone or iPad, you can't do that, okay? So, so it's tape it to the front of your iPad or tape it to, the, you know, to your mirror at home or, or put it by your bed. Listen, the point is this. Don't take this and throw it away. Take this. And on this back right here, there's two things that I want you to focus on. Number one, there's a little place here where you write the name. I want you to write that person's, I'm not asking you to turn it back in. I want you to write that person's name right there. And then down below, it's starting tomorrow. Tomorrow's April 1st, April Fool's Day. So by the way, that's a reminder, get ready. Tomorrow's April Fool's Day. Um, it's also National Atheist Day, but that's a whole other thing. So that, that, that's, I'm sorry, that was, remember when I said I'm not perfect, I'm human, and I, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so starting tomorrow, April 1st, here's what you do. There's a Bible reading there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write the name down. I want you to read that scripture, and I want you to pray specifically over the name that is at the top of that card. God, give me the opportunity to win them to Christ this week, this month, the month of April. God, give me the... Listen, now look, I don't need to remind you of this, but I just want... Look around. Everybody look around. Look around. Do you see more than 10 people in this room? Okay. I can just tell you. I don't know how many, but there are thousands of people in this room. Okay. 
because I don't know how many seats are in there. There are thousands of people in this room. If every single one of us will focus on just one person this month, let me tell you what will happen. What will happen is this. Remember, the Word of God amazes, right? The Word of God always changes, right? Number two, right? And the Word of God travels. We, we tell it, right? Okay, so, so if everybody in this room will simply get focused and passionate about one person, let me tell you what's going to happen. We will change Lynchburg because here's what will happen. Thousands of people will come to know Christ in the next 30 to 60 days. Think about that for a moment. In a city our size, we've got you know, 60 to 72,000 people, I think, inside the city of Lynchburg, uh, about 220 or 30,000 know, in the surrounding counties. So, you know, decent size, but we're not big, right? We're not New York. There's no subway here. You, you get it, right? But let me just tell you something. If thousands of people in the next 60 days would come to know Christ, let me just tell you what would happen here. What would happen here is something that would change the world. So who's your one? Who's the one? I had a person come up to me this week say, you know, I don't don't even know any lost people. I mean, I'm just kind of insulated by all the Christian stuff. And I, you know, I, I serve here. I'm involved here. I'm always around here. I'm around the people from here. I don't know any lost people. And I gotta be honest with you, this person talked to me and he said this. My wife and I, he's talking. We actually prayed, God, put us in a position where we're gonna find some lost people. So I'll get to know some lost people. And he told me how God answered that prayer almost instantly and put him in a situation where he was surrounded by the opportunity of lost people. So if you're sitting there saying, man, man I've, been, I've been in this church for 50 years. Man, I've actually been in this church for 52 years. I've been in this church. And I hang around most of the people. I, I hang around Christian people. I do. I, I mean, I just do. I'm, I, I just 52, I've been right here. So, you know, I know you can get to the place where you think, man, I don't even know any lost people. But then when you actually stop lying to yourself that you don't know any lost people, and then you recognize that every single day you're talking with, working with, living near, ordering food from, uh, buying clothes from, passing by lost people, here's what it is. It's not that you don't know any lost people. It's that you are not taking the time to engage with lost people. You see the difference? Everybody see the difference? Nod your head. I see the difference. So who's your one? If you have to pray, pray, God, show me a lost person. You know what's really cool? God will do that. Because Jesus said, anything that you ask in my name, I will do. Now listen, if you ask Jesus for a Lamborghini in the month of April, I promise you this, you're not getting a Lamborghini. And by the way, if, you, if your prayer is to get a Lamborghini in the month of, of, Jan, of, of April, and you actually get a Lamborghini, I just want you to know, you are not praying the will of God I believe that's a sinful prayer, and you need to give it to your pastor. I believe that with all my heart. I, I'm just telling you. I'm just being honest with you, all right? So just putting that out there. Okay. And if I got it from you, here's what I'd do. I'd sell it, and I'd use every dollar to go out and win people the gospel. But anyway, so, so here's the point. Um, when it says, ask anything in my name, and you'll receive it, here's what. When you're asking God... To give you the opportunity to fulfill God's call in your life. God will never call you to do what you're unable to do. God is calling you to win the lost. God's word says that. So if you pray, God, give me the ability to win the lost. You know what God's going to do? He's going to answer that prayer. You know what he's going to do? He's going to make it happen. So when you leave today, I want you to take this card. And I want month of April. Month of April. Who's your one? Find the one. Pray for the one. Reach out to the one. Engage with the one. And we're going to see God do some amazing things. Why? Because the gospel still works. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that the gospel still works. We thank you for the power that is found in the cross. The fact that, that, that mercy triumphed on the debtor's tree. We are so grateful for that truth. God, I pray that you will help us to walk out from this room today as they did 2,000 years ago from that synagogue in Capernaum, that they walked out of that room and they were astonished because they had heard the word of God from the Son of God. Let us live our lives in that same wonder, that same amazement, that same astonishment. I can't believe what I hear from God. Let that be our heart. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment we're going to stand, we're going to sing together. Our team's going to be here at the front. If you want to come down here today, we prayed for you a little while ago. If you don't know Christ, man, good news. Our team is here. We'd love to talk with you about who Jesus is and what Jesus can do in your life. The fact that he loves you, that he died for you, that he rose again for you, 
that we have no hope without him, but with him we have all the hope in the world. Let me just tell you, today, today, if you want to meet Jesus, I encourage you in a moment to walk down and to talk with one of the members of our team. If you want to come for prayer, if you want to come and join our church, come for baptism, come and leave a prayer request. We believe in the power of prayer. We've already talked about that. Whatever God is speaking to you today, I just encourage you, I encourage you that when we stand in a moment and when we sing together, that you step out, you make that move and be amazed at what God has said. Scott, lead us. Let's Everyone needs compassion. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We must believe that He died and that He rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, do so today believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope, to let the world know God loves. Thank you.